Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 60 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Jeremy Lambert has betrayed me and gone on vacation, but that's okay, kids, because making his return to the show, Stephen Jefferson Douglas Cook, how are you? You guys pay him enough for him to go on vacation, what the hell? No, he just left me. Okay. He said, I'm going on vacation. I said, fine. I'm like, can't do it. All right. That, that must be nice to be able to go on vacation. I can't remember the last time I... Well, I, I had a couple days off work this week, but it wasn't for a vacation. I'll yeah, tell you I, that. I, I, had a, I had a seven-week vacation earlier in the year. It wasn't exactly yeah, a good one. Yeah, you did. So. You had a vacation, too. It wasn't too good. So. Vacations would be a little bit overrated, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it's, uh, it's good to have you back, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, it's been... It's been a little while. I've been, you know, I'm still doing my thing on the 411, still doing my weekly comms and whatnot. I, so, I give myself a real cheap plug real quick. I noticed that my most recent top seven columns up, uh, athletes that need to go to WWE. Because as we noticed in, in recent weeks here, in recent days, uh, apparently Saudi Arabia loves having professional athletes in wrestling matches. Apparently so. What the deal is there. Apparently we got we got boxers, we got... MMA fighters, we just got all kinds of stuff, and I kind of figured, hey, why don't, why don't we get some other sports involved in this? So you'll see my list there. I've got a whole array of sports mentioned that come. I tried to go, I don't want to go with like, I, you could have done like, you know, like all football players, you know, or all this or all that. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get, I wanted to try to have like one from each sport, you know? Variety. There you I, go. I like to have variety in my lists. So. Very good. So I got a lot of good stuff in that. So make sure you guys check that out. Very good. Yeah, fucking Tyson Fury is apparently making like fifteen million dollars for that. Isn't that isn't that crazy? I mean, I, I read somebody online say that he does like to give a lot of stuff to charities. So hopefully, it's going to some kind of good cause, like mental health or something like that. Because I know he's, he's like some kind of mental health ambassador or something now. I guess. I don't know, man. But That's he's what, uh, I remember hearing. I mean, about that. I I hold no ill will towards him. I mean, if you can fucking get paid to go to Saudi Arabia and make fifteen million dollars, who am I to tell you no? But God damn, that's that's a payday. <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, I don't know. And then I then I read online. I guess one of the big matches. Another one of the big matches for the Saudi show would be uh, Mansoor, that guy, the Saudi guy, going against Cesaro. Yes, yeah, and people were complaining about that. And let's be perfectly honest, of all things that we can complain about as far as Cesaro goes, that's probably the last one, because homie's going to get paid. Hopefully he gets paid. I mean, if he is, good. It's just, I just think it's just a growing frustration, because people, you know, have been for years wanting to see Cesaro do something. And yeah, I said he should just, go to NXT. Yeah, I mean, well, just, I was, Jeremy and I were so excited, because it looked like he was going to get an NXT UK run. And I was actually, like, really excited for that because there was a ton of fresh matches. And then he just, he went and did the match with Dragunov at TakeOver, and then I was like, that's it. Now, are all the NXT UK guys basically over in a regular NXT now? That, that's what it seems like to me right now. Well, they're using, like, Volter and Imperium, and they're, you know, Pete Dunne moved to America. Yeah, so Dunne moved over. Tony did Storm move over supposed too? to be moving to America, I believe, or coming over, so yeah. Ripley's probably over, and yeah. Ripley, she's probably over there by now. She's been on yeah. there enough. Well, well, it wasn't like Rhea was living in the UK. She was still living in Florida, because they only tape, like, every six weeks. 
Okay. So, you know, she was still working NXT live events and stuff, but like, you know, she'd pop over and do the tapings and that and then come back. So you, know, you think I you think I know where she lives considering considering how big a fan I am, you think I know what country she's in. I was good to, I figured you stalked her Instagram. So. Uh, my stalking game has slipped every year, folks. I don't know where you know, I don't know what's going on anymore. Well, Tracy man. Brooks would be ashamed. She would be. She would be if I could find her too. That's another <laughs> issue. She's in SoCal, I know that. Come so. on, SCU. Uh, Steve, I know you brought it up to me earlier. Uh, you've been checking out the NWA Power Show. What have you been thinking? Power with three R's. Telling you, Billy, Co- Billy, Billy Corgan, Corgan was a big Dave fan of Lugana, mine. Big Larry Zonka fans. I don't know if Lugana was or not. Billy Corgan probably is, though. But, uh, yeah, I was telling you about how I did the whole four-show run today where I watched the Dynamite, I watched the NXT, watched the Dark, and I also watched the NWA Power. Love the... Love the first episode. I thought that the Tim Storm, Nick Aldis match is a good piece of business. Any show that has Eddie Kingston cutting promos is going to be a pretty good time. That's Any show with Eddie Kingston talking is going to get my time. Uh-huh. That's always good. There was that one guy uh, who was on the show, Ricky Starks, the new guy that was on there against uh, Trevor Murdoch. Yeah, he had a pretty interesting promo, I thought. Yeah, he's he's a, Ricky Starks is a guy I've seen a lot of people online give a lot of praise to, so he seems to have a lot of potential. Uh Freaking Murdoch on that show was such a great throwback. Because he <laughs> fits that studio of... show so well. He does, and they have a well. There's a lot of throwbacks. A lot. There are quite a few guys you haven't seen quite in quite some time. Um, you know, we had uh, Mr. Asshole come back this week. We had uh, Aaron Stevens. They call him Aaron Stevens, right? So yeah. they went with there. Yeah, his his old OVW name back in the day, and he's. It's kind of like. Kind of like his Damien Sandow gimmick, but not really. He yeah, did do the it, silence bit. At least it's he's not doing his. At least okay. he's not doing his freaking like Liberace TNA gimmick. Yeah, it's kind of a tone. I think it's like a combination of Sandow and kind of a toned down version of that, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, we'll see what he does. It's like some of the guys on that show like totally don't excite me, but I do love the throwback vibe. I think they've really nailed that. And again, it's. I've said it before, you can't out WWE, WWE in terms of overall production and looking big time. And no offense to the NWA, they're not going to fill up 10,000 seats or 5,000 seats. Right. So going with something completely different in the landscape, I think, is a smart move. It's a fun show. I enjoy it. It's different. And considering all the stuff I cover, sometimes things run together. So Mm -hmm. I like something that's different and kind of sticks out. It does, and there, there's all kinds of fun stuff coming up on there. I, I remember reading one of the interesting spoilers in, involving another uh, throwback from back in the day. That'll be that'll be fun to watch when that goes down. But uh, can't wait. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there, and well, there's also Jim Cornette. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. J- Jimmy angering people left and right. Yeah, I don't know. He's he he's Jim Cornette. What can you do? at this point yeah. but uh he, he doesn't take away from the nwa power i'll tell you that i like uh, nick aldis has kind of grown on me i was not sure about when they first started this whole thing with aldis as a champ he never really impressed me in tna as brutus magnus and all that but uh, uh he he works well in the role i mean it's kind of a it's kind of a poor man's rick flair kind of gimmick with the promos and whatnot but uh i don't know he comes off pretty well he comes off like a like a tolerable nwa champion it works, and, though. It works for him. i tell you what I, I absolutely loved was when he came out and cut the opening promo, and he's standing at the desk, and he did my favorite thing when he, he propped up the belt on the desk so he could talk. <laughs> I used to love that. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just like those little things like that. No, Nick is a really good talker and he um I've He's enjoyed a lot other of his people over. Yeah, I've loved a lot of his promo stuff and when uh, NWA was working with ROH he would do commentary sometimes. He's actually really good at that too. So um but yeah, no, I, I like him and it's uh yeah, it's a it's a good and fun show, man. It's just it's different and I like it. So. It's good stuff. And then we also like his uh, his friend Camille too. We we like her too. Yes, Camille. She is nice. Uh, and you know you you gotta like a you gotta like a person who knows when to keep their mouth shut. I think. Yeah, that, that's that's gonna be fun to see how that plays <laughs> out. I think. Because <laughs> eventually she'll have to say something. You think? Yeah. At some point. So, um, so the other night on the podcast, Jeremy and I were talking about some potential big news coming out of Japan, and we ran down a bunch of the rumors and we talked about them in detail. And one of those rumors was New Japan acquiring stardom. And we talked about that. And the main reason for that rumor is because of all the rumors of WWE starting up NXT Japan. And everybody thought one of their targets would be acquiring stardom, looting the top talent, and just closing the promotion. Killing the scene like they did over in England. Yeah, what, what you're saying. So, um, the news broke tonight finally that uh, from Yahoo Japan, Bushi Road, the parent company of New Japan Pro Wrestling, has acquired Stardom. Um, so basically, it's uh, going to be officially announced here in a couple hours. Um, from what I have heard and from what I have uh, checked out from everything I could read on it and found out so far. It is an acquisition. It's not like a merger. It's not like they're bringing in a women's division. That is not the initial plan, I'm being told. Mm. The plan is that they're acquiring stardom. They're planning to run it as a separate entity. They're, it's going to be run under uh, the Kick Road, which is a subsidiary of Bushi Road, which uh, runs kickboxing events. Um, and there's uh, rumors that Stardom World could eventually be brought on the New Japan World, but again, that is not an official thing right now. Um, basically from some of the stuff I read, um, they say that Stardom's current revenue is around $2 million a year. And, uh, Kidani from Bushi Road says they think that as a brand, they can help build them up to $10 million a year within five years. Um, so obviously there's going to be speculation of women's wrestling in New Japan. Uh, if they have acquired Stardom, which is obviously the news here, I could see them, Possibly using stardom big matches occasionally on a big show. I wouldn't expect a full-time women's division by any means because everything I've heard so far is this is going to be a separate entity still. This is an acquisition for Bushi Road to try to make more money and grow stardom into something bigger. Steve, your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, we have, we've seen a lot of stardom. I know there's a lot of stardom fans online. My main exposure to it is through the... Uh, the episode of the wrestlers show on the, on the Viceland channel yes. where they had uh, the stardom documentary, which is a really interesting piece of business. I don't know if that's still up on, uh, it's probably still up online. You can probably still go check it out somewhere, but good stuff. And, uh, you know, Larry, that one of the main criticisms that people have about new Japan is the lack of the women's division. That's, <laughs> that the, the debate seems to come up every once in a while. People are like, Oh, new Japan doesn't have any women, blah, blah, blah. Which uh, I guess you know, it's always been the Japanese thing where they have the men's promotions and they have the women's promotions, and uh, it's been that way ever since I can remember. And you know, Joshi used to be a bigger thing back in like the 80s and 90s, and it kind of died off for a while there. But it's been coming back, just like women's wrestling coming back over here. And if the New Japan folks think they can make some money off of it and kind of build a brand up, which I think they can, 
they've shown what they've done, they've done with the New Japan as it is, and they're just pretty a pretty successful company there. I think they can do a lot of good stuff with Stardom, and if we can, with all, and I don't mean to come off like a WWE Vince Triple H hater or anything like that, but if we can nip any idea of like a NXT Japan thing in the bud, I think that's I think it's only good news for everybody involved. Yeah, um, Voices of Wrestling reported the other day that um, what they've heard is that uh, you know WWE is heavily moving for the NXT Japan thing, and that they may end up partnering with Big Japan Pro Wrestling of all fucking people, which that is like funny. The, the oddest <laughs> thing. But uh, according to them, um, again, the good brothers of Voices of Wrestling, uh, they've heard that the trainers for the NXT Japan would be Miko Satomura. Uh, which is, you know, she'd be awesome as a trainer, obviously, because she's an all-time great. And the big lad, Daisuke Sakamoto. Yes, yes, I remember Daisuke. So, an interesting yeah. interesting combination there. But so, uh, And uh, Dave reported over at The Observer that apparently WWE looked into buying Noah as well to try to get their foot in over there because it's not exactly easy for foreigners just to come in and run business in Japan. So you have to get an infrastructure of some sorts, and that's why they were possibly looking into buying and teaming with pe- people like uh, Noah, Stardom, or Big Japan. Good old pro wrestling Noah. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been interesting. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. But, who uh, runs Noah nowadays? I, I don't know who the hell runs Noah, honestly, dude. I think I, they, they, they I want to say I heard that stuff and they um they dropped the green mat and everything and because it's not like Noah of old anymore and they're still around. I remember hearing and, about that. You know. Well, good. Good luck to them, and uh, I, I imagine the Stardom thing will probably work out. And I do think I would. I'd be surprised if we didn't see Stardom and like some of the bigger like on the. They have two Wrestle Kingdom shows this year, for God's sake. Exactly. So I figure. You gotta figure they have some kind of content on that at least. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see like the Stardom Championship being defended on one of the two shows, and maybe like a multi-person undercard kickoff match on the second one or something. But I could definitely see something happening there. But again, don't expect a full-blown women's division from everything I've heard. The other thing is too is like I know, and Steve brought this up. Everybody always talks about like New Japan should have women's wrestling, and it's. To me, it's just not the business model, number one. Number two, can we have New Japan properly booking their tag team divisions, all three (laughs) of them? Because here's the thing. They can't even properly book them strongly and fill them properly with talent. And you want them to add a women's division. The funny thing uh is, is if this was like WWE and they were like shitting the bed on certain things and then people go like, well, they should add this. Then they're like, if they add it, they're like, that's such a brilliant idea. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like if New Japan doesn't do it it's like oh they're fucking sexist all I'm saying is maybe they should book everything they have much better before even considering bringing women in that's is my argument the women's tag team thing going by the way uh, it's um, it's a thing the uh, the Kabuki Warriors have the titles they're awesome at least but oh they're cool yeah yeah. It's it's, cool. it's been a thing and Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss got drafted separately and then traded together, and that's a whole thing. Yes, the, the the draft was a glorious mess. Boy, did USA Network look like a bunch of idiots the way that whole thing played out? Where you know you could have drafted those two girls together, and then you then you draft them separately, and then you just trade them anyway. So you wasted two picks. 
Yeah. And you're going to get future considerations, whatever the hell that means. I did at least laugh at the future considerations thing since Jeremy and I talked about that a lot. We were hoping for like. Uh, t- uh, we were hoping that SmackDown would make a trade to salary dump because they uh, front loaded too much with Brock. <laughs> you know, so they would have to trade like five yeah. or six people. And then the other trade I had on mind was I was hoping that they would trade Bray Wyatt and the puppets for like Randy Orton and Akira Tozawa. <laughs> Because that's a good trade, because you get the Fiend back over there with Seth, you get Randy back with the Revival. Well, do we want the Fiend with Seth, really? No, but at least it would make sense since they're having another fucking match, which doesn't make any sense since they're on separate brands now. And how about Fox uh, Fox wearing a sports-heavy uh, presentation? They're they're apparently wanting the fucking Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and all the puppets. I think that's why they burnt down the Firefly Funhouse. So they so they take away the thing and made him over. Okay, gotcha. I don't know, man. But it's a, I don't know. I'm hoping that Cletus gets a 24 seven title run at least. Yeah, and they also split up the fabulous truth. That pissed me off. Yes, well, because, you had to keep Carmella with Corey. Yeah, because I guess Corey Graves works all the SmackDown house shows too. I guess. <laughs> Fuck if I know. It's one day a week, for God's sake. Well, I think it can survive one day a week. Well, it's their we thing sure. now because like they used to always separate people and then it would piss oh, people yeah. off. So now they're trying to be family friendly and keep everybody together. Which I understand to a certain extent, but then it ends up with like, well, we've had Charlotte promoting SmackDown on Fox for six months now, but now we got to have her over on Raw because Paul Heyman wants Aleister Black or some shit. Yeah, uh, who, who the fuck knows, dude? It's it's weird to figure out what they're exactly thinking, Steve. I think, but... I think we're just supposed to blame Eric Bischoff for everything. I think that's kind of what we went with on that. Well, it sounds like that's what Vince did. That's where we're, we're going to blame Eric Bischoff. We don't know what he did, but we're just going to blame him for it. Speaking... Will we ever know what Eric Bischoff actually did? He sat in catering from all I heard. No, oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's cool. From everything I heard, he did extremely, like, nothing. <laughs> he barely did anything. He largely sat in catering. He didn't really offer many ideas. He wasn't in touch with the current product, which I talked about. We can tell that from the I, podcast. I, yes, I talked about that, and then people were bitching at us, Steve. No, if you listen to his podcast, he's very in tune with the current scene. He knows exactly what's going on. <laughs> and I don't understand why you're doubting Eric Bischoff. The stupidest take I saw all time tonight, Steve Cook, was mm. this. How does AEW miss the opportunity to have Eric Bischoff on tonight's show? <laughs> um, okay, let me um, break this down into simple terms that you can understand. Yeah. Fuck you! Nobody <laughs> wanted Eric Bischoff at all, anywhere. Let him go back. Go? I can't wait till he starts his new podcast, Seven Weeks. Yeah. Are they going to put him on commentary was. with everybody else, with, the, with Tony and with JR? Taz, I guess, hanging around there now. Fuck off. I just know. <laughs> Bischoff can go away. He can stay away. Hopefully he made some good money and is happy and drive back to fucking Wyoming and make some beer. I don't know. Yeah, I hope he didn't spend so much money on the housing situation over there in Connecticut. That's just Well, if he was smart, he rented. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that shit ain't cheap. New. No. Oh, goodness gracious. But, but uh, uh, yeah, so, but that's the idea. We're just going to blame Eric Bischoff for everything and... Even though I guess Bruce Pritchard is doing everything anyway, I guess now it's going to be different now he's officially doing everything. Yes, Bruce Because Bruce Pritchard. is the savior of the company. Yep, yes. another yes man. Yep, savior of the company. I loved when Bruce got brought back and then Raw was like a slightly better for a couple weeks. Everybody was like, look, it's the Bruce Pritchard effect, man. He's he's already making things better. And then there was like a really shitty Raw right after those two weeks. And they're yeah. like, well, obviously Bruce didn't have much input on this show. 
what? Obviously. Obviously. You know, it's, it's blatantly obvious that uh, Bruce Pritchard has always, uh, always thought whatever Vince McMahon thought. So. Very much so. So who the hell knows? I don't but it's know. Good. But it's good to have a guy like that around for when Vince is doing football. Sure. So I guess it's a good thing. I don't know. I'm trying to. Uh, I, I don't know. They don't pay me to make excuses for him. I don't know. Leave it to Ryan Sad. I'm just wondering, judging by how everything shakes out and what goes against each other every week during these Wednesday shows, I'm wondering if after they have the production meeting, if Billy Gunn is sneaking off to the uh, office to fax Triple H to fucking break down for the show. Because they, they seem to counter <laughs> with very similar shit all the time. You notice, uh, I was noticing, uh, I was noticing that while watching these shows tonight, where, uh, you, you know, I'd, I'd see Dodi would have a women's match going on, and then I'd flip over AEW and like, oh, hey, look, there's a women's match going on there too. And, and it's not the, just a women's match; it was the Japanese champion Riho yeah, on one show versus Japanese. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously just kind of fucking around, but it is really funny when you look at it every week. It's like WWE obviously counter programming hard. Uh, one thing I also noticed, I think I know we're digging into the coverage as well, but I kind of noticed one of the main differences between the shows tonight to me was the uh, the size of the competitors. I mean, for one thing, over on on NXT, you had uh, Keith Lee and Davin Dijakovic, and uh, the guy who was wrestling Matt Riddle, whose name I forget, big old dude, Bronson, big Reed. guy, Bronson, yeah, Bronson, because Bronson, because he's a, he's a bro too, I guess. He's so. a host daddy, big old Bronson, big guy, big guy. And then over on the AW, you have uh, Riho, you have Marcus Stunt, you have uh, Darby Allen. So it's like a lot of big people versus a lot of little people. Another thing, too, if you want to continue like the comparison thing, there's also a lot of young talent on AEW. Yeah. A lot of people in their 20s. And then Rio you, 22, for instance, there. Yeah, Darby's like 23 or 24. I mean, yeah, there are some young people in NXT, don't get me wrong, because Rhea's just like 23. Damian Priest is like what 40 <laughs> he, he's like it's such a shame that he got picked up so late because he's 37 poor guy yeah i mean he, they're, they're trying to push him i guess but yeah he looks every bit of 37 <laughs> yeah he is really good though i like him a lot he had a he showed a ton of potential in roh so i, I hope he gets a good run at least but i like him so yeah we'll kind of start talking about these shows steve we're gonna start off AEW dynamite because that's the show i watch first because i have to do the live coverage yeah i did the opposite because Dynamite has a replay. That's basically how I decide. Hey, it's like okay, one choice replay. So let's do it that way. Whatever works, Steve. That's all yeah. I can say. Yeah, uh, we started off. Yeah, Jim Ross, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone on commentary. Started off the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament, SCU versus the Best Friends. But as SCU were making their entrance, the Lucha Bros attacked, playing off of an angle they did a couple weeks ago, where they uh, had a little scuffle during a uh, on-screen promo deal. Uh, they beat the shit out of them, hit Daniels with the package power driver on the ramp to take him out of the match. Scorpio Sky came out and made the save and ended up teaming <laughs> with... one shoe. <laughs> yeah, and ended up uh, teaming with Kaz. The gimmick was that he offered to step out to let the veterans team because he thought it was the better chance of them winning. Had to yeah. take over because Daniels got hurt. I'll tell you a couple things I really liked about this. Number one, the post-match attack on babyfaces. Good business, I like that. Number two, Scorpio Sky runs out there in street clothes because yep. he was not wrestling tonight. He's out there in jeans and a t-shirt and his, his sneakers till he lost one. 
And, you know, so he decides he's going to wrestle. So what does he do? He hops up on the apron. He grabs some athletic tape from the doctor. He tapes up, takes his shirt off, and he just goes in the gear he has on. The other thing I like, too, is uh, Shima came out there because he's loosely associated with SCU to check on Daniels because they have the mutual respect thing. So I like that as well. Little things, Steve. That's about the little things. And I, and I also like the fact that the, the Lucha Brothers music did not play before they attacked. That's yes. fine. That was also pretty good. <laughs> so they try to, I mean, I, I know that's something that they've been focusing on is try to try to make those types of angles more realistic than you've seen on wrestling shows in recent years. Yeah. I, and yeah, I, you didn't have Scorpio Sky magically wearing his gear and ready to go. Yeah. I love the fact that when they try to do run in stuff, that there is not music most of the time or almost any time that I've noticed. I love that. Cause I, it it's feels so overproduced when you have the big beat down and the crowd knows somebody's coming and then they kind of die down and then the music hits. And, they have to know. hear music. Because like, I guess that's uh, the excuse is people won't know it's them unless they hear the music. I guess so. but It's, it's what they say. So what we they st- say. Yeah, we started off with the uh, Best Friends versus SCU, Steve. SCU defeated the Best Friends just over 10 minutes via pin. Your thoughts first, Steve. I thought it was a thought it was a perfectly fine little match there. I the I mean Scorpio Sky was doing very good stuff for a guy wearing one shoe. <laughs> uh, you got uh, Kazarian was trying to sell his injuries and whatnot. He had a f- couple interesting spots with the uh, uh, Kazarian nearly got pal driven on the apron and he backdropped uh, Chucky T. I believe Chucky T was the one doing that move there. He had the best friends to doing their typical stuff, the hugging bits and all that. Where was where was our good friend Orange Cassidy during all this? Um, it was on being the elite. I think they were doing a question and answer thing. And, uh, Chucky was trying to coordinate their attire and he's like, orange, what are you going to wear? He's like, I'm not going. Oh, like, damn. What, what do you mean? You're not going. He goes, not going. Well, there you have it. I missed the being the elite. And that's what yeah. I missed there because I was wondering like, where is their buddy orange casting? I mean, they had to figure out in case there was three people out there. You at least want to have the side team or at least have an advantage. Yeah. But uh, shame, shame, no Orange Cassidy this week. He just, he just didn't go at all. Not a big Philadelphia fan, I guess. Apparently not. Well, who, who can blame him? <laughs> but it was a, a good match there, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, uh, well, yeah, they mentioned later in the show that Daniels was, uh, I think he had like stingers, what they said. He was feeling better and being able to walk around and stuff. So he might be back for next match. We will see what happens, yeah. Uh, I thought it was really good. They had a great crowd here. You had four veterans just working really well together. The only thing uh, not good was the finish was a bit off, and they fucking replayed it. Don't replay the finish yeah. when it's not good. I mean, it wasn't horrific. It wasn't like Super Botchamania, but it wasn't good. So don't fucking replay it if it doesn't look clean. I think they, they like the replays. Well, I understand replays and stuff, but you don't don't replay shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Santana and Ortiz were out next, Steve, for a squash match against John Silver and Alex Reynolds, who are actually a really good indie tag team. Uh, quick match. Uh, the former LAX wins in two minutes with the Street Sweeper. Uh, I liked getting them on the show. Uh, I have no problem with a delicious squash match from time to time. Yeah. And uh, it set up the post-match where Jericho popped up on the screen, put his boys over, and laid out the Santana and Ortiz challenge to the Young Bucks for the pay-per-view, which is a great addition to that show. I gotta tell you that that is a horrible green screen that Jericho's down in front of. That's what that was, right? Like that that thing that's like the AEW banners, like kind of swaying by. It looked it looked bad. I don't know. I wasn't. Really, I was, was paying attention to what he was saying. 
Well, I was paying attention to the scenery as I as I want to do, but uh, I like I like I like Ortiz and Santana. Uh, their new song I thought was pretty cool, and they look good just beating the crap out of these guys. And I was and I was trying to I was not quite sure if this is part of the tournament, but then I remembered that they weren't around when the tournament started. So yeah, which know, again, that, you know, that's why the Young Bucks lost last week too, is so they could set this up. Because that is a big match. Can you believe, you know, I, you know, we joke about Cornette and stuff. Can you believe that he said that uh, the Young Bucks tried the Hogan private party last week with the way they won? <laughs> I can believe he said it because it yeah. sounds like the kind of thing he would say. I mean, they had a great match with them. They helped make these new guys stars, and they lost clean. Yep. Am, am I missing something, Steve? No, I mean... I I don't think you're missing anything, but okay. uh, that's what I saw. But I mean, our, our good brother Jim saw things a little bit differently. I guess and you, you gotta allow for these Kentuckians to see things a little bit differently from time to time. I mean, they just got electricity last week. Fair enough. Uh, next up, we had a really good uh, Cody Rhodes video package hyping up his match with Jericho at the pay per view. Steve, what do you think yes. of this? Yes, I was, t- I was saying. I mean, I would watch two hours of Cody Rhodes videos. That is some good stuff. Very well produced. I mean, NXT was doing all kinds of videos tonight as well. They had their thing with Finn Balor and their thing with a few different people, but I got to tell you, none of them came off like this one. It was kind of like that stuff you'd usually see on the uh, Road to shows that they like to do on on the YouTube. It's probably it was very similar in that vein. You had like Brandy talking, you had DDB talking, and you had our good friend MJF talking too. That's right. He's a good lad, despite what everybody thinks. Salt of the earth. Salt of the earth at MJF. Good good person. He saved everybody's life last week. He did. And they they, they don't even trust this poor man. Jericho tried to murder him. What the hell? I will say what was funny is I I don't watch it all the time anymore. I did watch Being the Elite this week, as I mentioned. I was, like, towards the end, uh, MJF is walking in. uh, The Young Bucks are like, hey, you know what, man? We're sorry. And he's just looking at me like, you know, we, we, we thought you were kind of an asshole. And like you're you're a good dude, and he's like he's like hey he's like I got a question for you guys I'm like yeah what what and he's like uh, is your name Cody I'm like no he's like bye assholes <laughs> <laughs> he's so good I love him he's very loyal Cody what do you want that's right uh, so we uh, ladies action up next Steve uh, champion Riho defeating Britt Baker eight minutes thirty seconds your thoughts yeah it was um. Um, I gotta tell you that uh, Rio is very over with the folks. Just a I know, bit. I know that she, she was very over before. I mean, she was over before her match started. I know some people were saying like, "Well, she she gets over with her wrestling and whatnot," and she was over before the match started. And the crowd, I think the crowd reaction carried a lot of the match. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, as much as I as much as I do care for Britt Baker, I think she has a lot of potential. Uh, I think going forward, she could be a big star for the company, but she's still. Still needs a little bit of work. Uh, there are a couple rough patches in the match. Some there was a couple spots where I don't think she knew whether she was uh, winding her watch or scratching her ass or however however that old saying goes. But <laughs> Rio got the she got him through it, and uh, I like the finish too with the uh, with Britt going for the for the claw gimmick, the the lockjaw, the lockjaw gimmick, and Rio rolls her up out and gets the win and. Everybody looks fine. It's a good little, good little title match. Yeah, I thought it was good. Who gets the next shot? Yeah, I thought it was good overall. Riho is this. She's fucking great. She's a star. She's over huge. You know, Britt Baker. 
has a great look. I do think, like you, she has potential, but she does need more work. So, and we mean the in-ring work fixed. Yes. Uh, we moved on to tag team tournament action. Steve Cook, the Lucha Brothers versus Jurassic Express. No Lucha source because the big man was injured, unfortunately. Which very disappointing. I was yes, I was very disappointed as well. But I do think it plays well because. I'm much. I'd much rather see Jurassic Express lose when it's Jungle Boy and Marco stunt yeah. than Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. It's a fair point. Um, yeah. So Lucha Brothers ended up. They won in 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, I know a lot of people were crying because Pentagon sold for Marco stunt <laughs> like it was the fucking end of the world. But I thought it was a good and fun match. The Lucha Brothers were great assholes. They largely dominated. They gave the little Jurassic Express boys hope spots. They did some fun spots. There was a fun dynamic. The right team won. Jurassic Express are great little baby faces. They're over. The Luchas solidified themselves as asshole heels. Yes, it could have been a little shorter, but... You know, again, we got the faces over without the Luchasaurus there, who is the most over part of the gimmick. And the heels were dominant in the end. The right team moved on, business as usual. And it helps get the Lucha Brothers over more as heels because we we naturally want to cheer them because Phoenix and Pentagon are they're pretty awesome. Yeah. They're awesome they're awesome wrestlers. I mean, Phoenix does crazy stuff and Pentagon's a crazy asshole. We like it, but uh yeah, they did a good job tonight with the attack on SCU and then beating the crap out of these two poor guys. That uh, I think they'll pretty, be pretty easy from get heat going forward. Um, I don't. I mean, Marcus Stunt. I mean, I, I give the guy credit. Tough little guy. Tough little dude. But uh, man, I don't know. It's. It, I mean, it's he's tough. he's it's far from my you know, he favorite tries. dude. He I, tries. You know. Yeah. He's not exactly my cup of tea. He's a good little worker. He works hard. But, I mean, the size difference at times is extremely jarring, and it can be hard to take. But just because Pentagon sold a little bit for him, it's not the end of the world. It's not like he went in there face-to-face with Jake Hagar, who's like five (laughs) feet taller than him. Yeah, now if Jake Hagar starts selling for him, then then we got some problems. Yeah, if Marco Stunt takes Jake Hagar 15 minutes, bitch all you want. Couldn't you see somebody like Abyss trying to sell it? I, I could see Abyss trying to put over that stuff. Well, Abyss sold ridiculous. for everybody, dude. That's, exactly. He loved doing that. Matt I mean, Morgan he should probably be selling times, for him, but... too, you know? Same, same, same kind of deal there. Yeah. Wouldn't have been good. So, um, we got a John Moxley inset promo. It was about time. They need to have him talking a little more, I think, because he's really good That's at right. it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he talked about uh, Pac and Omega and said uh, not write him off. He's the top of the food chain, and he was going to prove that in full gear when he puts Kenny Omega's head on a wall. I just love the fact that they call Pac the bastard. Yes, the bo- the bastard Pac. And Tony Schiavone, I think, got great joy out of calling him the bastard. Oh, dude, he his <laughs> my favorite thing with him in like MLW and stuff too is when MJF is out there. He's like, oh, because like Tony, the, like the dynasty will come out and uh, Rich Bokini will be like, here come the dynasty. Tony will be like, look at that prick MJF. <laughs> <laughs> he likes cussing, you know, is what it is. Dude, Tony just sounds like he's having the time of his life. He does. He's he's very excited to have a TV product that he can call that isn't complete garbage like that he was towards the end there. Yeah. I mean, he's he, he was good and having fun at MLW too, but he's just... 
the AEW stuff, he just he sounds so happy and re-energized. Like him and Jim Ross have made up over the years. They're friends yeah. again. He's working with them again. So it's like old times there. And apparently he really likes Excalibur and finds him extremely knowledgeable and helpful because he doesn't know a lot of the newer guys. Yeah. So it's just like, I, I love that Tony Schiavone has like found love for wrestling again and is happy because like those last years, I mean, everybody talks about him being bad and stuff, but he was just as miserable as a lot of people. He, he was. He didn't want to be in charge. He hated having the boss Bobby Heenan around and tell him how to do his job. He and didn't Heenan was drunk most of the time too. Yeah, and th- yeah, he didn't want to deal with that either. But I mean, he respected and loved Heenan. He didn't want to deal with that. He didn't want to be his boss, you know. And he just he was miserable as well towards the end. So ob- yeah, and then he was calling a shit product on top of it. So I'd be a miserable asshole too. Yep, but uh, that's not the case anymore. Good old Tony having a great time calling the calling the upcoming tag team match. You're he is very excited about that and about the main event as well. A lot of, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, so we stayed uh, tag team action, the theme of this show, uh, yeah. Steve. And Hangman Page and Kenny Omega finally got on the winning side of things, defeating Pack and John Moxley. It broke down at the end. They teased using weapons. And then uh, Pack took the weapons away from Moxley. And you don't take away Big John's toys. No, you sure don't. That's a bad idea. So he, he laid them out with the, the Death Rider, which I think AEW's calling the, the Paradigm Shift or whatever. The paradigm Shift, yes. Yeah, it's the Death Rider in New Japan, so I'm just going to call it that because that's what I'm used to. But, uh, oh, he, uh, he what about Dirty Deeds? Oh, nope. Dirty no, Deeds. Okay. Anyway, he, he hit the Death Rider on Pack, and then Pack was great here because he realizes he's alone <laughs> and he's fucked. Yep. So he's a V trigger buckshot lariat and the dead eye gets pinned. Um, I thought this was, it just went a tad over 15 minutes. Um, I thought it was really good. Uh, great crowd getting Omega and page back on the right track was a good call. It advanced Moxley and Omega. It continued a possible three way down the line with Pac involved. And then it also set up, uh, sorry, pack and Moxley for next week. Yeah. Um, so, at the end of the day, Moxley's out for Moxley. Doesn't give a shit about anybody else. I thought it accomplished a ton of goals, actually. Yeah, and I think the addition of Pack to that whole angle helps out uh, Kenny Omega because, let's face it, people are going to be reticent to boo John Moxley because we all know the guy, we all like the guy. It just it's tough for us to like boo him against anybody. So you had Pack in there to be the bastard in the whole in the whole situation, and you can cheer Moxley and cheer Omega too. I think Kenny's got back on track here the last couple weeks with the, with this match and also on the dark show with uh, the match with Janela last week, the Lights Out match. I thought I thought that was a pretty fun piece of business too. Some people thought may went a little bit long, but they're having <laughs> they're having a darn good time. They're beating the crap out of each other and slamming each other on chairs. So I thought that was good stuff. Share a different side of Kenny Omega, and this was also in their situation like that. I also liked Larry the fact that. Uh, Although Moxley did manage to catch Kenny at the end of that baseball bat, they didn't get to use the weapons, which I exactly. thought was important because, for one thing, you want to save them using the weapons for down the line, probably at full gear or something like that. And also, you're going on right before a main event. And you want to let the main event guys have the chance to use the crazy shit. 
And the, yeah, and the, you, get, you don't want to take away because the main event was going to be a street fight as well. Yeah. So you don't want to do all the plunder stuff. And I saw a lot of people like, why didn't they use do a DQ? They had all those weapons in the ring. They had two weapons in the ring, and they got rid of them, and it wasn't exactly a part of the match. So yeah, and Bryce kind of bitched out too. <laughs> yeah. Bryce was like, I want nothing to do with this. He, he got the heck out. Of hey, he got the fuck out of time. He wasn't. He wasn't getting hit. This is a different officiating styles. Like I may may a different referee would made a different call, but Bryce is kind of Bryce is the kind of guy who he's a Chikara boy, man. He wants nothing to do with all the barbed wire stuff. That's right. Uh, he, he sees that stuff. He's getting the heck out of there. Damn right. So we have announced for next week tag team tournament action: Lucha Bros versus Private Party and SCU versus the Dark Order. Steve. Yeah, yeah, big. Uh, the Dark Order, of course, got the big uh, first round by. And I know the Dark Order are a, uh, a favorite of uh, many AEW viewers. Yeah. <laughs> By many, I, I mean not very many, to be honest with you. And they're talented guys, but... They're I, great, but the gimmick very, has just gimmick not is, connected at all. Not good. It's, it's, not, it's not a good situation. So, so you could obviously make an argument for the Lucha Bros to move on to face SCU in the finals. Which would make sense storyline wise, and then but the other thing too is Dark Order did get that buy, so having them win and then moving on to face Private Party also plays really well because then you have the underdog baby faces who had to wrestle another match going against the Dark Order, and that you could, could probably get the SCU and Lucha Bros another way. Exactly, you could probably book that for the pay per view actually. Sure. So, but uh, there's there's a couple ways to go. I think either way works. Um, they also announced that Britt Baker will be in action because the show is in Britsburg, and Brittsburg. that the the Young Bucks will be in action. And also, we get we're getting John Moxley versus Pac Steve. That's a big match yeah. next week. That'll be that'll be a good one right there. That'll be good stuff. I don't recall them crossing paths in uh, the other place either. So, you got two guys that are just they hate everything and everybody pretty much. And even if they did face in WWE, which they might have, it was probably like a five or six minute forgettable Raw match. Uh, to think of it, when I'm thinking, I, I can't imagine a time when they would have, considering there are different uh, places on the card and whatnot. So, but who knows? And then we moved on to our main event, Steve. It was a street fight for the AEW Championship. Your champion, the Painmaker, Chris Jericho, yeah. defeating Young Darby Allen, fifteen fifty via submission. Steve, I'll go to you first. Here. Oh man, that <laughs> you, you had to figure Darby Allen was going to get some kind of beating from the Painmaker, and boy, did he ever! Oh gosh, that poor guy, uh, just t- taking all kinds of stuff, getting his wrist taped up behind him, behind his back, and whatnot. But I'll tell you what, Darby wouldn't—he wouldn't give up. He kept he kept doing these crazy flips and whatnot with his with his hands taped on his back. It looked freaking crazy, and it just tells you the kind of guy Darby Allen is. I remember he was another guy who was in one of those uh, the wrestlers documentaries, which we saw, and uh, you could tell back then he was a different cat, different kind of guy doing this kind of stuff, which either is going to make him a star or put him in a wheelchair, or maybe both. I don't know what's going to happen there, but man. He, he he got over with the people. He was over going in. Uh, he had the people biting there for minutes. And that damn Chris Jericho, he needed help from freaking Jack Hagar to get the win here. Like, I, uh, Alan was about to do that big coffin drop off top rope, and Hagar had to knock him off top rope so Jericho could put him in the walls of Jericho. Wasn't that ridiculous, man? Come what on. A, what a disgrace. Seriously. He, he needed help from Jake Hagar to beat a no-armed man. Steve, you know, you and I have talked a lot over the years. Jeremy and I have talked a lot over the years about the need to make stars. 
Yep. Um, it's just you have to do it. I mean, it's great when you have established stars and name value, but you have to constantly be trying to make new stars. We talked about the Young Bucks uh, doing the honors for Private Party and a great match. Private Party was over huge. Big win. That was big for them. That was a star-making performance. Darby Allen won his uh, contenders match last week, was part of that big post-match uh, angle to close the show. Came got down over, on a skateboard. It was awesome. Yes, he got over big. Uh, the kind of baby face you could put against Jericho here, especially in a gimmicked match. So you talk about the need to make stars here. I thought this was a really good match. I thought it was one where Jericho was really giving in terms of trying to make Darby Allen a star. I mean, he put an ass beating on the kid. Yep. But, I mean, he did a lot to make him a star. I thought Darby put in a really great, uh, almost Foley-like performance, you could say. Shades with the uh, the hands taped behind his back. Taking all the punishment. Uh, of course, Mick never did any fucking topes with his hands taped behind his back. He never did any topes, period. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> although he did the nest teeth plunge a lot. and He did. That's true. That, that wrecked his hip and mental capacity. Mm. But uh, anyway, I'm sure Orange Cassidy was not too pleased after seeing that. Like, dude. <laughs> he's like, I do it with my hands in my pockets and I'm fucking cool. What am I supposed to do now? Like, uh. cut my fucking arms off? But, uh, no, it was just really good. Uh, Allen's continuing to thrive in AEW. I was really high on him in Evolve. I thought Evolve completely missed the boat on him, never making him champion, even though they gave him big wins against guys like Riddle and Zack Sabre Jr., but they Gabe never pulled the trigger. Mm. And they ended up losing him. So the inner circle celebrated to close the show, and I would also venture to say that Darby Allen versus Jake Hagar for the pay-per-view could be in the works after this. Oh, that poor Darby Allen take another beating. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting. When is uh, Hager's uh, Bellator fight, by the way? I don't know. I don't follow his MMA career, man. Yeah, because I know some people were talking about where he had a fight like coming up pretty soon, which, uh, you know, would kind of limit his bump-taking ability, yeah. one would think. I mean, we'll find out. They'll, uh, they'll probably mention it. Somebody will mention it somewhere. Well, if they're smart, if Hager's smart, he had it worked into his deal that they mentioned it. Mark Rollich will tell us, and nobody else does. Yeah. He's all uh, over that stuff. So uh, that was AEW for this week, Steve, and we'll uh, we'll talk overall quality and comparison stuff later on. We have to move on to NXT TV yeah. for the same night, obviously, and you got to watch this one first. Yeah. So that is cool. It gives a slightly different perspective on things. Um, we opened up Steve Cook, Tommaso Ciampa, the big bald bastard, making his return to NXT. Defeating Angel Garza in our open, just over yeah. 30 minutes, your thoughts? I hadn't seen Angel Garza in quite some time. Uh, <laughs> I heard he made the big move up to WWE. Uh, this is the first time I kind of, saw, kind of saw him wrestling. He got a little shine. He got to, look, got to do a few things against the former XT champion. I thought it was a somewhat impressive showing. I'm not sure how I felt about uh, Ciampa um, doing stuff with Garza's... Uh, Ring attire. He laid the boots to his was, trousers. Yeah, that's kind of kind of strange. Mexican flag kind of trousers. Kind of kind of a, kind of weird. I thought it was a little weird. Maybe maybe it wasn't supposed to be weird, but it kind of struck me as a little strange. But you know, Chop is a crazy guy. <laughs> and he, you know, he got the win. Looked it looked good. I thought uh, Garza got to have a good showing. So I thought it it got done what it needed to get done. 
and it led to the little post-match deal. Yeah, uh, Chiampa in great shape. Uh, he's looking good, so definitely glad to see him back. He looked well, yes, he did. So, um, you know, he uh, I th- I'm not a... Uh, Everybody's going to take this the wrong way, but apparently he uh, he called up John Cena for some recovery plans because I did not expect him back this soon from that surgery. No, that uh, was but, not the original report. And the, the other thing is, too, is, I mean, it, again, it, it is 2019, and you look at all these major surgeries that, you know, an ACL was you're gone for a year to 16 months automatically. And then you had these like fucking freaks of nature in football starting to come back in seven and nine months. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the neck is obviously totally different, but I mean, definitely glad to see him back. Hopefully, I mean, obviously he's cleared. Hopefully he can stay healthy cause he's great. Uh, Angel Garza. Yeah. I like him a lot. Uh, I always get some flashbacks, Steve, to our old TNA days watching Hector Garza. Yes, yes. Oh, you're all Hector, God rest his soul. We loved Hector Garza. He was great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Undisputed Era arrived. They kind of ruined his triumphant return, delivered a video. And the video was then played. They were backstage. They had beat the shit out of the Velveteen Dream to yeah. uh, cancel the upcoming uh, North American Championship match he had. Uh, was there an inside deal there? Is there something going on with the Velveteen Dream? I don't know. I think my speculation is it feels like there's starting the beginning to the build for war games. Mm. He doesn't need to take time off or anything like hopefully not. I mean, there is speculation out there, but you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I, I don't have any sources telling me one way or the other, you know? Well, I thought you had all the NXT inside sources. I thought they're all, you know, (laughs) in your back pocket what i heard that's what i, I wish, heard but, i wish uh, i was on the payroll yeah kyle o'reilly throwing more the uh usb file was interesting yeah little wow. things but uh yeah so i mean that was that was a fine angle takes him out uh again i think we're sitting up for war games here um we've got a johnny gargano video package back to the ring steve cook imperium defeated danny birch and Oni lork in 840 via pin really good hard-hitting sprint i thought it delivered good both both teams are really good uh, Fabian Eichner and uh, Marcel Bartel are really good. Love them on NXT UK. One of the better teams in the company. Birch and Lorcan are also great. Just uh, four dudes kicking the shit out of each other. Enjoy. Yes, them. there's always always going to be a place for that on a TV show. Four dudes being the shit out of each other. We've seen this match before a few times, right, Larry? I, w- I want to say that we've seen this on a. They've done they've they've done, done this before, right? I think so. I want to say that, yeah, they because I, Eichner and him were the European Union, right? Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that's what I thought it was, because I've seen this match a couple times, and yeah, always good stuff. Where was big old Walter at? I guess Walter took a week off. Walter's chilling out, dude. He doesn't he doesn't work every week. He, he, he broke Kushida's hand with his face. <laughs> he did. So he's just chilling. <laughs> I like how they have the NXT injury report video, too. I guess I guess they have a lot of injuries down there. Well, that I mean, I at least kind of appreciate that because it's different. Yeah. So, but what do you think of the match? I thought the match was darn good stuff. Uh, Imperium, I, you know, Imperium is the, the the team that need, need to go over there because uh, if they're going to be over hanging out next to for a while, you need to build them up for something. I know we got the undisputed errors tag team champions, but uh, uh, Eichner and Bartel there, I was. I got to tell you, the first couple times I saw them, I wasn't really sure, but they've grown on me. 
And uh, only Lorcan is the best person on Twitter, I think. He's great. He's the best person on Twitter. And so, good stuff there. Good stuff. Uh, we moved on. Io Shirai defeated Caden Carter, 240 via pin. I uh, thought it was exactly what it needed to be. Io looked great. I think Carter has a lot of potential. And, um, yeah, just uh, Io picking up a big win. And I don't understand how she's supposed to be a heel and I'm supposed to hate her when she looks that damn good in her outfit. <laughs> I was going to say, you look great. Yeah, you, you, ain't, you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. But I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> I mean, he was out here talking smack. If you want to get me to maybe consider going against Eo, you bring out Rhea Ripley. Because you know I'm a big-time Rhea Ripley fan. Yeah, that was the post-match. Eo was uh, kind of ranting about a title shot. Rhea arrived and said that uh, she's going to put Bianca in her place next week and, and that if Eo ever mentioned her name again, that she's going to shut her up. Well, I think Io did mention her name again, from what I could tell there. Oh, she uh, ranted in Japanese, which is she awesome. She was mentioning all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, I'm all for them building to uh, Io versus Rhea. I'd love to see that match, actually. Uh, Rhea's only gotten better over the past year and a half. Just yeah, really it's... good. I think the I think the uh, decision to put her on the UK brand for a while was really smart because it got her working more. It got her working in a featured role. Because I think you can tell they have a lot of uh, hope for her. Sure. So. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? But, I mean, the weird thing about the NXT women's division to me is that probably the thing I'm least interested in the division is, the, is, like, the championship scene. Like, the title picture there. Because, I don't know, Shane is just, uh, uh, she just seems unbeatable pretty much. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's like that's like that's a whole Oscar thing over and over again. You know, just hold the belt forever and then may forfeit or something. I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of the whole aspect myself. Fair enough. I get it. Uh, to we're to kind of jump back on the Stardom stuff real quick because a bunch of the news yeah. is coming out. All right. Um. Yeah. So Stardom's holding a press conference. Um. They are now officially part of Bushi Road. They are no longer a corporation because they are part of the Kick Road Kickboxing uh, sub part of Bushi Road. On December 1st, 2019, the company name will be changed from Kicks Road uh, to Bushi Road Fight Corporation. Rosie Ogawa will remain the chief executive officer of Stardom, um, and the promotion will remain uh, Stardom. So they are not changing the name. Uh, BS Nippon Television Broadcasting Advertising Global Development will begin shortly thereafter. The first big show will be held on April 29th, 2020. Uh, and then there will be a big 10th anniversary show coming up in 2021. Stardom will run four, will run Kirk and Hall 14 times in, uh, 2020. Uh, and more details will come of that. December 7th and 8th, uh, they will take part in the Charo Expo USA held at the Anaheim Convention Center. They will put on a tag match, which is uh, Mayu Iwatani and Tam Nakano uh, versus Sumi Sakai and Nicole Savoy. A TV program will air on BS Nippon TV and Tokyo MX beginning in January 2020 on BS TV every Thursday. Tokyo MX, this one will be a 30-minute streamlined program. Stardom World will remain as is for now. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about EO, and then I saw all that news coming out, so I figured we'd talk about that real quick. Sure. Uh, William Regal, Angry NXT Dad, was here, and he announced that since Velveteen Dream cannot compete next week due to his injuries, Roderick Strong will defend against the winner of Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic. Makes sense. 
I mean, you got two big dudes. They're having a big old feud. It's supposed to be a big rubber match, so why not put kind of some kind of stipulation on it like that? That's right. So we were at Dodge Kovic versus Lee was up next, Steve. They're 1-1-1 one, one, one overall in NXT. It went to a no contest at 15-15 because... Roderick Strong was scurred and ran in and attacked him. Your thoughts? <laughs> he was. He sure was scurred. I got to tell you, um, I was one of the people who, in the previous Keith Lee and Dijakovic match, uh, I thought they went a little too crazy. They went a little too indie. Started kicking out too much stuff for my liking because I'm like an old grandpa, you know. I Calm like down my there, Scott rest- Dawson. I know. I like my wrestling old school. I don't like people kicking out freaking shooting star things off the mill rope or. All that crazy stuff they were doing, I was just not a big fan of it. They kind of stayed away from it this time. You had Keith Lee working the arm of Dijakovic. You had him doing splashes on the arm and frog splashes in the arm. That's kind of cool. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. So it didn't bother me as much this time. What can I say? And then Roderick Strong, for God's sakes, this guy. This freaking guy, he, he's trying to play a, a, a battle of wits against William Regal. How, I mean, William Regal versus Roderick Strong in a battle wits. How do you think that's going to go? Probably Yikes. not good. Not good for Roderick Strong. I mean, let's let's be honest, Larry. He's not, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He never has been. That's right. Going back, going way back. But uh, So he tries to get out there. He tries to be cute and break up the match, which I got the desired reaction because people wanted to see a winner. You like to see the rubber match end with a winner. But then Regal is all like, well, guess what, bitch? You get to face both of them next week now. So that's good. That's good. Uh, kind of solid go-ahead booking for next week. I, I thought it was a pretty good idea. I liked it. Very good. Um, let's see here. There's some more stuff on the stardom stuff. Apparently, um, the stardom talents will now also be signed to full-time contracts in this deal. There you go. Which is something that hasn't been part of it. And uh, Dave Meltzer is uh, stressing that they are being kept as separate entities right now. And at this time, there are no plans to use women on New Japan shows. But again, a lot of that could change down the line. Plans change. Well, depending on how the uh, popularity goes. Sure. Yeah, if it gets over real big, then why wouldn't you put them on New Japan shows? So, uh, interesting is that we're talking about, like, NXT and stuff. Um a lot of NXT UK women still work at stardom at times. Uh, I imagine that is going yeah. to end. And, uh, I would imagine so, yeah. And the other thing is, uh, in terms of AEW, Riho and B Priestley work a lot for stardom, and B is hmm. the champion, I believe, right now. So that could change, too, because obviously New Japan and AEW aren't exactly working together right now. So, um, again... Uh, implications on several things that we're talking about tonight. You know, if, though, if B Priestley keeps entering people every time she's in AEW, she might not be there for too much longer. She's really not good. <laughs> now, let's be honest. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a good situation there. I don't know. I mean, every time she and Britt get in the ring together, it's uh, it's going to be a bad situation for yeah, Britt. Concussion, black eye, Jesus yeah. Christ. She's going to have to retire after a couple more matches. I'm Seriously, not good. So. I don't um, but uh, back to Lee and Dijakovic, I thought it was really good. Uh, I also liked that it was different from the uh, previous matches they had, as you kind of brought up. Uh, working the body part a little more, slowing things down, doing stuff a little different, still high intensity, still some cool big moves. A lot of fun. Obviously would have been better with another minute or two and a clean finish. But I do like the triple threat for next week. And again, I think this may be part of the build for a potential War Games match. Could be. Could be. Would you... Uh... What? 
you figure you stick uh, Leon Djakovic there on the same team. Lee, like Dijakovic, Velveteen Dream, maybe Finn Balor. Hmm. Could be. So a lot of, lot of possibilities. What about but Mr. I th- Chiampa? That's another possibility. Mr. I think Gargano. Yeah, there's a lot of th- ways they could go with it, but I think that's kind of like the tease right here. Uh, yeah, angry NXT dad William Regal then made the triple threat for the title next week. Mr. Regal. No, it won't be William Regal. So, uh, your boy Matt Riddle uh, beat the shit out of Bronson Reed in three minutes. He sure did. <laughs> Which he should have, let's be honest. Exactly. Uh, again, good squash highlighted all of Riddle's main offense. One clean, one quickly. Good stuff. And that's what you need from Matt Riddle at this point. When he's, uh, you got you got to feature him. You got to feature him being people up. It's a good piece of business. I'm, I'm just waiting for Riddle to get on the main roster. To be honest with you, that's got to be coming, right? Why would you say that? Uh, because I hate him. I want him to, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if he's gonna make a shit ton of money and he's happy, sure, that's fine. But I mean, I'm just figuring they put all the MMA guys in the main events, right? I know I mean, Enochism is back, baby. Yeah. Uh, Has per- anybody told Vince about it? Is Triple H like hiding Matt Riddle from Vince possibly? Probably. You'd think yeah. Vince would want him on the main roster because he looks like a Von Eric. Exactly. That's how you, I mean, Vince must not know they have him. That's so, all I can figure. Um, post-match, we got a Bianca Belair video package said she's going to dethrone Shayna, and anyone that gets in her way is going to find themselves in a real nightmare. Yeah. Kushida is out that. for a month because he broke his hand on Walter's face. Bad times. Yep. Tegan Knox returns Steve Cook, defeating Tynara just under three yeah. minutes. Your thoughts? Yeah, she's been out for quite a while. She's working the uh, – she's got the double knee brace gimmick going now, which uh, <laughs> the 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 bionic, bionic Welsh woman apparently. So, you know, it's a good showing for Knox. I mean, anytime that – let's be honest, anytime she gets in the ring and doesn't get hurt, it's a good time. You got you to appreciate that. Yeah, so I, I thought it was perfectly fine. Uh, it wasn't anything blow away or anything, but she got in, she got out, she did her deal, went pretty well. And after this, you had uh, you had Dakota Kai coming down the hugger and whatnot, and then you had the Shayna Baszler and the horsewoman coming out, and Baszler talking all kinds of junk, and Knox not knowing what to do, and Kai not knowing what to do, and uh, there you have it. It was a kind of a thing that happened, and we're lining up all kinds of different challenges for Shayna Baszler, and we'll see which one knocks her off. If I had to guess, it would not be one Dakota Kai or Tegan Knox, but I've been wrong before. I hated that last week they derailed the the Dakota Kai comeback story already. Yeah, she's already second fiddle with Tegan Knox. Yeah, but she she had such a natural feud to go after Shayna because Shayna's reign of terror basically started when she quote unquote broke Dakota's arm. Yeah. And I thought that that would have been a great full story thing to tell and go back and do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like the Tegan's back. She worked uh, two NXT UK matches before this. One was a, like a 10-second squash. Then she had a good match with Kylie Ray, and this was a fine squash here. Um, yeah, she she won. She didn't get hurt. She looked good. Uh, I think Tynara, she's going to get lost in all of this because of everybody else involved. She definitely has a great look. I think she has a lot of potential, and um, her mannerisms are already really, really good. Like when they were announcing Tegan Knox is returning, her I don't give a shit face was so yeah. good. That's pretty good, yeah. So I, I like her a lot. I, she's, It'll take some time. Yeah, definitely needs more work, but I, I like her. I think she has a lot of potential. Finn Balor's returning next week, Steve. Officially, yeah. Officially, so. That's, I mean, 
How do you feel about Finn being back in NXT? Um, on one hand, I really like it because, I mean, I think if you're going to bring a main star to NXT, a main roster star, you should bring someone back with NXT history and somebody that can actually work. The other thing is, is Finn's like 37. He's not getting a push on the main roster. And apparently he's he, really not. and apparently he wanted a lighter schedule anyway, cause he got married. So, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, I like it cause I do think there's a lot of possibilities and a ton of fresh matches to do. Yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, well, it'll be, it'll be, it is something interesting for him to do. And I'm kind of with you on the point that he probably fits in better with NXT than he does with Raw or SmackDown at this point. And, the guy was their continental champion for how long this year, and how many times did he do anything? None. Not very often. Not very often. So, and oh, on the contract thing with Stardom, we're gonna jump back into that. Bushi Road commented and said, "We will create contracts for each wrestler. We want to create an environment where the wrestlers can concentrate on pro wrestling, and we're expecting to bring in excellent wrestlers from all over the world." Well, that that sounds really good. That's good. I, I like that they're um, they're going to be you know getting full time contracts, likely a little bit better pay, so they hopefully don't have to rely on the whole selling gimmicks to the creepy old pedo man. <laughs> Again, something that was yeah. on that special. It's, it's a very cultural yeah. thing, and they say it's not creepy, but if you're looking at it from the outside it's, in and uh, you don't know it, it does look really creepy. Especially when, like, the girls selling the gimmicks are, like, you know, 16 years old. Yeah. <laughs> kind of strange. Kind of strange. So, Killian Dane kicked the shit out of Boa after he yeah, kicked he did. the shit out of Boa last week. He really did. <laughs> that poor that poor bastard. Oh. Uh, and again, oh. Steve, big lads killing dudes is always fun. It is. It is. I I, I did not hate it. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I've seen but, a lot of people... Yeah. Like, I've seen like people who say, like, why is Killian Dane back in NXT? What's the point? Well, number one, he wasn't doing shit on the fucking main roster. They brought up Sanity. They buried him. They did nothing. At least here he's doing something. Exactly. I uh, have no problem with it. And unfortunately for Killian Dane, he made the mistake of confronting Pete Dunne when he was on his way out for his main event match. Yeah, Pete Dunne broke his fingers and told him to fuck off. <laughs> Which led to Damian Priest defeating Pete Dunn, Steve, 14-15 via pin. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, I mean, I I am not quite as high on Damian Priest as you are probably. I mean, I thought he was, he was fine in ROH. He didn't really – I don't know. He didn't stand out as much to me. And Pete Dunn's a guy I always like and I, I, I always enjoy watching – Except for Walter, I don't remember seeing him against too many bigger guys, so this is kind of interesting in that regard. I thought it was a fine match. It didn't quite reach that next level for me. And it kind of... I don't know what the deal is with me and WWE shows and main events not really doing anything for me these days. <laughs> what was the main event for Raw? Is like the Natty and Lacey Evans versus somebody? Uh, the Kabuki Warriors, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then SmackDown was like something similar like that. I don't know. I just kind of felt it felt like it was winding down, and I found myself kind of paying more attention to Jericho and Darby out on the other channel, which I'm not. I'm not knocking their work. I thought I thought Dunn had a good showing. I thought Priest was Priest does have some potential. Like you said, it's kind of a shame that he is the age he is. Although, let's be honest, in WWE years these days. 
you can still be 50 years old, years old in main event. That's not a problem. But yeah. you have to be a star first, right? I think so. Um, and I, you have to be a star. You have to be an athlete, or you have to you know, have to do something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a pre- I thought it was a fine match, but it just I don't know, it didn't really grab me. I guess you could say. Okay, uh, as far as not being a sold on priest, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some guys connect with you, some don't. As far as having a disconnect with WWE main events, I read that all the time. I'm also reading it a bit with New Japan these days too. It's the uh, the quote unquote house style that is turning some fans off these days for some of these matches. So you're not the only one. It's an understandable thing. And it's just sometimes whatever they're doing just isn't quite clicking. And I get that. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. I thought it was the best match on the show. Dunn was great as always. I thought Priest had his best NXT performance to date. And he had to do that to justify going over Dunn. And I think a rematch would be even better. So I guess we will disagree on that one. But that's okay. We'll probably see a rematch down the road from the way the finish went there with the old, with the low blow behind the referee's back. That's right. That referee got a lot of work on this show. She was in a, she was in a few matches there, I thought. That's all right, though. Things happen. So. Uh, you know, I mean, you can't always have a 15 referee crew, that's for sure. But uh, Apparently not. Got, got caught sleeping on the old low blow there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unfortunate, Steve. So what exactly is Priest, uh, what's his personality? He's like, he had like a couple of girls he was dating backstage or something like. I guess he's like a, a, a dude that likes the nightlife and hangs out at nightclubs or some shit. I don't know. Like Adam Rose? Uh, except he's actually good. Oh, okay. <laughs> By the way, have you seen a picture of Adam Rose lately? I have not. Apparently he's trying to get his life back in order. So he's like cleaned up and everything. And he's been like getting into working out. He's put on, it looks like 60 pounds of muscle match. He looks like triple H in 2001. Oh boy. Well, I mean, they'll sign him again. Looking for another run, daddy. Yeah, why not? But I don't know. I think I still think Adam Rose might've been better if they had, uh, done that character next year for more than a week. Yeah, and if they wouldn't have totally shit-canned it on the main roster right away. Yeah. What happened? Like, Vince watched NXT the one week Adam Rose was on. It's like, whoa, yeah, let's bring that guy up. I mean, I think that's pretty much how it works. Like, when OVW. Oh, look at this <laughs> Basham and dam- damage a guy. You know what? I got a great fucking idea. Oh, God. Tag these fuckers up on WWE TV. Yeah, and let's make the one with hair shave his head so he looks like their guy. Yeah. And then Jim Cornette is an aneurysm next week when he sees yeah. him. Pretty much, dude. He did. Poor. I felt bad for him in that respect. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I. I that's part. Of, that's part of what made him crazy. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, so, Steve, it's kind of time comparison time. You got to watch NXT first, and yeah. you followed it up with AEW. I will go to you first, Steve Cook. Which show did you enjoy better this week? I'm. I'm going to give the slight edge to Dynamite. Just a, it's a slight edge because I'm not. I'm not knocking the NXT show. Like I said, I won quite as high as May event as you. And, but other, other than that, I thought the whole show was pretty solid up and down. I, but to me, Dynamite had that little extra spark, I guess. And I don't, I, I don't want to be that guy that's like, well, it's because it's, uh, it's because of the arena. And everybody's like, oh, NXT needs to move out in the road now, which I can see why people would say that, but I'm not sure it's such a great idea. That brings its own set of problems as well. There be, yeah, I think it, I think it solves one problem, but creates a lot of other problems. It's kind of the issue with that. But so I, 
and full sale doesn't bother me as much as uh, it bothers some other people. I don't think it looks as bad as people say either. So I, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. That part doesn't bother me. But the AW show does. Uh, it, it looks pretty good so far. It looks like they're they got hot, really hot crowds. I will say the crowds are dynamite a lot hotter. So they they got that going for them so far. I the Jericho match was was top notch. The tag team match was really good. I thought both ma- I thought both shows had some really good wrestling, but I think I would rate the Dynamite stuff just a little bit higher. I thought they both had good women's matches, but the women's matches on Dynamite were just a little bit better. Yeah, I um, I again, I enjoyed the hell out of my Wednesday night. I'm loving Wednesday nights. I mean, yeah, it's it's putting in a lot of work and everything, but that's okay because when it's good, I don't mind. You oh, the Cody video. We got to mention the Cody video against the other videos. Yeah, better. So, but again, I mean, like I always say, it's it's so much easier to talk about good and great wrestling because you can only shit on something so many different ways when it's bad, and bad wrestling just makes a night feel so long. Like, Believe me, I'm a lot happier to be sitting here with you talking about AEW and NXT than I would be talking about Raw. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I I really enjoyed my Wednesday night again, and I want to get this out of the way too. There's this weird narrative all of a sudden since we have the war started and it's like, it's not even AEW fans. It's WWE fans turning all of a sudden NXT isn't good. Mm. NXT's bad. They don't like NXT anymore because it's two hours. Yeah. And like, there's this weird narrative that all of a sudden NXT is a bad wrestling show and it's not a fucking bad show. (laughs) Get your head out of your fucking ass. You -hmm. can prefer something more to it. I'm like Steve this week and like last week with Jeremy. I enjoyed AEW more this week. I thought there was a little bit better wrestling. I thought there was a little more story progression. I thought that, you know, you're making a star with Darby Allen, just like you were the previous week with Private Party. It's not like a giant gap for me. I think I gave AEW an 8. I think I gave NXT a 7 on my reviews. NXT is still a good show. It's a fun show. I enjoy it. I like a lot of the people on it. But I just, I don't know where this whole, like, weird NXT is bad all of a sudden thing came from. Neither do I. And I got to tell you that I was a little worried when they're going to expand it to two hours every week because I was thinking they might run into some death issues. And that really hasn't been the case. They've plugged in some of those uh, UK guys. Dude, they have so many people some stuff under more time. It's, it's, it's worth time. That hasn't been an issue. Yeah. But they have so many people under contract. It's ridiculous. So there, there really shouldn't be a depth issue at all. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's amazing how on the main roster where these guys have so many people under more, more people under contract than they ever have, and yet the main roster still looks like shit, pretty much. Yeah. And they're not, they're not bad wrestlers either. It's just that they've been booked into situations where we just don't care about them. Okay, I'll give you a great example of. Okay, you talked about like the main roster looking like shit, and it's obviously not because they're bad wrestlers. It's all about presentation. It's all about booking. Look at AEW. Cody Rhodes looks like the biggest fucking baby face in wrestling right now. He does. He's getting big reactions. That video tonight was great. And it's all because of how he's been presented so far. He's been presented like a star. Private Party were presented like stars when they won. Darby Allen was made a big deal last week. Got to look like a star tonight going against Jericho. And I'm not saying that NXT necessarily is doing everything wrong in that regard. All we're saying is 
It all comes down to how you present people, how you book them, what you give them, and giving people a reason to care. And right now, people seem to care about Cody. And that's cool to see because, you know, Cody, uh, all the guys at first, was that, that guy I was like, eh, on because while he had some good to great stuff in ROH and New Japan, he also had his fucking bullshit bring the circus to town matches. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, dude, they worked the tour stop one time when they had the New Japan guys in. He had like a below average match with fucking Haramu Takahashi. Yeah. And I was like, what? That's so, tough but Cody and AEW has been so much better. His storytelling stuff has been really good. The overall presentation has been great. And I just, it's again, it all comes down to how you present people. There are so many good people on the WWE main roster and NXT and NXT UK and that aren't even on TV. Yep. Look at Matt Riddle. You present him the right way, he's a huge star. You present Keith Lee the right way, he's a huge star. You know, so many people you could, laundry list is insanely long. And the other thing that pisses me off too is we've seen it how many times, Steve, when WWE wants to heat someone up and make them an important part of the show and a star, they can with ease. They can do it in one night. Yep. But they don't. They don't. They really, how often do they do that? Not very often. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, it's just all a presentation thing. So, yeah, I, I go AEW for the second week in a row. I went NXT the first week of the war. Uh, had them edging things out. Uh, but uh, they, they had, uh, what is that, Cole and... Uh, Cole and um, Riddle. Cole on, and Riddle, On, that's on the right. mini takeover show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they load up that some bitch, yeah. <laughs> so, but, I mean, I, I thought that just overall wrestling was better on that one, liked week one. But again, NXT, this weird narrative that I keep seeing, like, NXT just isn't good anymore. It's like, what are you guys, I don't even know what you're watching. It's it's not a bad show, folks. Yeah. It's just, it's, can, it's not. You can we would say, tell you if it was. But yeah, I mean, you can say you enjoy something else more, but don't start with the NXT is bad takes. I mean, this is not like Raw and SmackDown putting on bland, boring, and average at best shows. I mean, and if you if you didn't like NXT before, then fine, that's fine. If you if you saw it before, you didn't like the whole thing. If you think the takeovers are overrated or whatever, then yeah, sure, that's fine. You can have that take. But uh, if you're one of those people who's been talking up NXT is like the oh well, it's barely even WWE. It's like its own brand, you know. It's it's different and fun and whatnot. And now you're shitting on it. I don't know, man. I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, it's uh, it. it's odd, man. I don't know. Uh, Steve Cook, uh, buddy, it was good having you back. I want to thank you for filling the role tonight at Jeremy. Uh, it was good having you back, my friend. Well, yes, it's good to, good to be back. And I'm sure we'll check in at some point in the future and talk the wonderful role of the pro wrestling, maybe some more dynamite or whatever. You know, I mean, all kind and power and just all kinds of good stuff going on in the pro wrestling right now. Even the stuff that sucks can't really bring us down. That's right. There's too much good right now. So, yeah, I, I thank Steve for his time. It was good having him back. And uh, I'm going to finish up because Steve does not watch Impact. I am going to talk a little bit about Impact Bound for Glory, which takes place this weekend in the Chicagoland area. And uh, it is, we have some very good stuff on this paper. And the thing about Impact pay-per-views, if you haven't been watching them, is the fact that they have constantly delivered a lot of really, really good pay-per-view shows. Uh, they recently re-aired them all on Access TV with the new deal, and I uh, did uh, 
added the reviews back to the system so that we could take a look at them ahead of this pay-per-view coming up. This is Bound for Glory. This is Impact's quote-unquote biggest show of the year, we could say. And we're going to start off, we have a call-your-shot gauntlet match, Battle Royal. Uh, gauntlet rolls kind of like Royal Rumble. It's going to be 20 people. Haven't named everybody yet. The winner gets a title shot of their choosing, so it's kind of money in the bank-esque, but it's not Feast or Fire, thank goodness. Uh, the winner here is going to be interesting, simply for the fact of when they put this on the card. If they put this first, I really am not sure who's going to win. But I kind of have a booking plan. I do think that the X Division ladder match is going to kick off this show. And I think that the X Division ladder match is going to kick off this show. And that skeezy little bastard, Jake Crist, is going to find a way to retain his title, probably with the help of OVE. And he's going to remain champion. And then I have the Battle Royal taking place, maybe not second, but a little later in the evening. And this is where you have Tessa Blanchard come back into the mix. I have Tessa Blanchard winning the Call Your Shock gauntlet match. And you're going to see where I'm going with this later in the show. So Tessa wins the Call Your Shot Battle Royal. I might be very wrong if it goes on first, but I'm calling it. X Division ladder match. Jake Crist is going to win. Uh, that one has a lot of potential. You got Tessa in there, Dog, Ace Austin. Um, and either Sabu or Rohit Raju. Possibly both, depending on how the match goes on Friday. I think the spoiler had it as a no contest, so they may both be involved. The Rascals are going to face Dr. Wagner Jr., Aerostar, and Tarus. Uh, the stars of AAA coming in and uh, Impact using their uh, AAA relationship here, which is something I would like them to see do a little more often other than the Mexico tapings. Uh, the Rascals are great. Uh, Dr. Wagner is a legend. They're going to be in Chicago, so the Lucha guys are going to be over huge. If you've seen MLW at all this year, Chicago is a hotbed. They love the Lucha action. Aerostar is probably going to jump off something really high. Hopefully he doesn't hurt himself. Taurus is really good as well. He's a lot of fun. This should be a really good match. Uh, I, I love the Rascals. Uh, basically, I think you let them go out there. Get 11 to 14 minute sprint or whatever. You know, 10 to 15, whatever you want to call it. Let them get their shit in. Let them pop the crowd. Let them have a good time. Just let them have a fun match with no bullshit. I have Team AAA and Dr. Wagner taking this one with the good doctor picking up the win. We move on to Moose versus Ken Shamrock. I'm not joking if you haven't followed Impact. Yes, Ken Shamrock is wrestling on his pay-per-view. Ken has been working some indie dates this year, and so he decided to come back with Impact here for this show. He's going to work a little bit past this show as well. Moose is a talent that Impact has a ton of high hopes for. Uh, they want to make him a main talent, a big star. I think he still has a bit of a way to go, but he's really improved over the last year and a half. Been doing excellent work as a heel. He beat RVD at Slammiversary, and now he faces a ghost from TNA's past, a former NWA champion in Kem Shamrock. Ken is in really good shape for his age. I'm not going to talk about how he got there, but he's over 50 and looks excellent. Um, and he's been doing some indie dates where he's looked solid. In all honesty, I want to be real with you. I think that they have done a really good job of crafting this feud and building the match. But I really fear that this is one of those instances where 
the build is going to far overachieve the actual match. Um, they're going to be, have to be careful how they w lay it out because it's 2019. You don't want to have Ken Shamrock going too long. You want to have Ken Shamrock play the hits. Moose has gotten a lot better, but I wouldn't call him a ring general and a guy that I would be confident in saying that he can carry Ken Shamrock to a quote-unquote good match. I think Moose should win this match to maintain his momentum as a potential top heel, which he should be. I really am afraid, though, that they're going to have Ken Shamrock win because he's going to stick around after the pay-per-view. I'm going to go with Moose. I hope I'm right because Moose really should win, and especially on pay-per-view. Up next... I'm going to put the Stone Cold Lead Pipe lock on this one as not only a banger, but the match of the night. Michael Elgin versus Marafuji from Pro Wrestling Noah. The pay-per-view card here overall, it looks good. There's a lot of potential on it, but nothing has me more excited match quality-wise than this one. It's going to be a banger. Elgin obviously previously worked New Japan Pro Wrestling. Marafuji did some stints there, um, like came in for the G1, but they never really crossed paths. So this is a great match to book. I love that Impact is getting back to their relationship with Noah. It kind of seemingly just disappeared for the longest time with no explanation. And hopefully it becomes more of a regular thing because I think it's good for both companies. So as I said, I think this is your show stealer. Marafuji is still great. Elgin has done nothing but deliver in big matches for Impact. He knows the style. He knows Marafuji. This should really, really kick ass. I have Team AAA winning the first interpromotional match. So with Elgin being the big-time Impact contracted wrestler here, I think he's going to take this one. And if he does, it's a huge profile win for him. And again, I think the uh, the show stealer. It just has that written all over for me. Really looking forward to this. Uh, it's one of the matches all month I've been really looking forward to. And that's even with uh, King of Pro Wrestling just happening. Because there was a lot of good there, but it kind of underachieved. Moving on, we have the Impact Tag Team Championships. The North defending against Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Defending against Rob Van Dam and Rhino. I want to be honest with you, I really wish that this was only the North versus Rich Swan and Willie Mack. I don't think that Rob Van Dam and Rhino add anything to this match. They're here just because Impact likes them and they want to get them on the card. The North have been really good as champions so far following the departure of LAX. Willie Mack and Swan are a great and fun tag team. Just They're so much fun to watch. They're enjoyable. And I think that they would have a great match with the North. But now they're going to have to be in there and they in the North are going to have to work harder to carry the load for RVD and Rhino because these guys kind of play the hits, but they largely work in slow motion. They don't add anything to the shows at all for me. Hopefully it exceeds my expectations. Hopefully they're good here. The North should retain because there's still too much meat on the bone to their title run. It's, it feels like it's just really getting started. And... I could kind of accept Willie Mack and Swan winning. I would absolutely hate RVD and Rhino winning. I just think that would be a bad, 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 bad call. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens, but hopefully the North wins. 
Moving on to the Impact uh, Knockouts title match, we have Taya versus the newly signed Tennille Dashwood. Taya is being pushed as the longest-running, most successful, and greatest knockouts champion in Impact history. And she's done really well as champion. Really like her. Tennille Dashwood, she's the new toy of the division. Don't get me wrong, Tennille is gorgeous. She looks like a star. Excuse me, but she feels completely cold right now as a challenger. She's come in, she's had okay matches, she's been fine, but the crowd has not really been behind her. I think if you put the title on Dashwood here, I just, it feels like a mistake because this is a situation where you should have a heated up baby face coming for Taya and being the one to topple her. Someone who is really over, someone who can have a really good match with Taya. And Tennille just doesn't feel like that talent to me. And if I'm Impact, it kind of kind of feel like there's some buyer's remorse with um with Tennille because she just has not delivered. Maybe that's my opinion, but I just I have not been impressed with her Impact work at all. Doesn't feel over. So that's going to lead us to the main event of the evening for the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. Brian Cage defending against that skeezy son of a bitch, Sammy Callahan. Listen, you know, Sammy, I, I say that in a loving heel manner because he is a skeezy bastard. And that's a good thing. Sammy has been a strong and obviously featured performer for Impact. I like a lot of the OBE stuff. The major problem with him was that he kept coming up short in the big time matches until Slammiversary when he beat Tessa Blanchard in the main event. Following that, they did the, the uh, basically the Incredible Partners Tag Team Tournament, Heels and Faces, together. And the two rivals ended up teaming. They won, and their reward was facing off in a number one contenders match, which Sammy won to get him into this main event. Now, obviously, that's a fine story and setup. And Cage beat Johnny Impact previously to win the title, but the problem was, while that was the right call... His injury issues have really limited his title run, and it hasn't been as good as a lot of people had hoped. He had an absolute banger with Elgin at Slammiversary. Great match. But his presence as a champion has been really limited. He's just kind of been there in name only. So, they had a fine angle with Sammy winning the contendership, but they amped it up to 11 when they did the Cage Melissa Santos wedding angle. Sammy came in, had a champagne bottle, blah, blah, blah. Healed it up, accidentally hit Santos with it, which made it personal. It got even better this past week on Impact when OVE beat down Cage and handcuffed him to the ropes. Melissa came out and begged for his life, but Sammy is a bastard. So he grabbed her and he gave her a pile driver and laid her out while Cage had the watch on handcuffed. That was a great angle. Really, really like that one. Um, I think the match, if Cage is healthy, obviously, and that's always a big question with him these days, has a lot of potential. Again, Sammy has always delivered. Cage has largely delivered really good stuff. I think this could be really good. Might even be great if it's the right match. Hopefully not overbooked. I mentioned Tessa winning that title shot earlier, and even if she wins the X Division title, it could still work. I think the story here is that we have Sammy win the title... You have Elgin, who can always be a title challenger at some point, but you have Sammy win the title. You continue Sammy versus Tessa and get back to that one for the third match because it really feels like they've been building to that. 
So that is my Bound for Glory preview. I will, of course, have live coverage of the show on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Uh, it's coming live from Chicago. A lot of potentially good stuff on this pay-per-view. I think Elgin and Marifuji will fucking kill it. And um, I would not be surprised if they had another very good, great pay-per-view because that has been the Impact motto as of late. So uh, you can bet on certain things in life, and um, that has been the regular thing for them. So while the TV may be solid and maybe even a bit bland at times like this past week's outside of the main event angle, pay-per-views have delivered. If you haven't given Impact a chance, I would check them out. I think it'll be a good show for sure. Uh, So that is the end of the preview. And I'm going to cough now. Thank you. I don't have a dump button ready. So um, I want to thank you guys for listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I want to thank Steve Cook for joining me. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Have a great week, everybody, and I greatly appreciate all of your support.